My name is Terry Glenn Harris, author, speaker, coach, and you, you are now locked in to Beyond the Coffee Table, the podcast. Now let's work. What's up, beautiful people? And um, welcome to another episode of Beyond the Coffee Table, the podcast. You've already heard who I am in the intro, so I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to get straight into this thing. Since I recorded my last episode, what would you do if you did not care what they had to say or think? I have traveled back home. I'm no longer out in Boston, Massachusetts. I am back at home with my family, whom I love so very much. Um, but I have been able to gain so much more knowledge and knowledge is priceless. You know, when you know, when you know something, you, you, you're so much more, more valuable. Even when, even if the, the bank account's not huge, if you have a wealth of knowledge you're more valuable than people who have millions of dollars to their name. If and then maybe they don't necessarily have knowledge because they're going to come to you and they're going to want to pay you to give them that knowledge or to put that knowledge to work for them. Um, but I'm back from Boston, Massachusetts, and when I was out there, I was taking a course um, at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and. If you're not familiar with the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, you might know it as MIT. Um, And I was out there at MIT taking a course on people analytics. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, what is people analytics? Trust me, I thought the exact same thing when I received the invitation to the course. And then me being me, I did some research And people analytics is basically the harnessing of the power of data to better understand what keeps us as a people happy and what boosts our productivity, what makes us stick to goals um, and which people will likely be successful depending on, you know, habits that we have. So this class was made up of and it kind of blew my mind. This class was made up of people who grossed six figures, people who grossed millions um in the private sector. I'm talking managers, directors, and chief executive officers, company presidents, owners, you know, I'm talking all of that in this one room. I sat in the room and As we were going around introducing ourselves, I counted seven countries, five continents, literally in one room, seven countries, five continents. And the facilitator of the class made a good point. And he was talking about how people come from all over the world just to be educated, just to learn something from the professors 
over at MIT. And this class was only three days. So people from five different continents traveled to Boston, Massachusetts for a three-day course. Uh, And that blew my mind (laughs) when I sat there and I, I just... Listen to those people talk about where they were from, you know, from Argentina, from Australia, from Colombia. I was just like, wow, from Ghana. I'm, I, I was, my mind was blown, y'all. It was an incredible experience. Um, and I hope that one day you get the chance to experience something like that. So I'm sitting, you know, in my seat, soaking up all of the valuable information that was to be gained from the people in that room. Um, And then in the back of my mind, because you know, the enemy's always lurking, I started to ask myself, why am I here? Like, why was this invitation extended to me? After all, this was no cheap course. My hotel stay alone totaled to be $1,500. And the course itself was $3,500. And this, uh, you know, that's not including airfare, food, and ground transportation while I was there. But it cost me $0. Like, literally, somebody paid for me to be there. So I sat there a bit longer. And of course, that question of why am I here is still burning in my mind. And as I sit there, I begin to insert myself into certain conversations, um, making my knowledge, my intelligence known, uh, ensuring people knew I was in the room. I was at the table. I was present. I was here in the room with all of these powerful people because I matter. I have something of value to add. And my views are relevant. Like that's that was it. And that is important for us all. Being present and not simply in the physical sense, but being fully present, mind, body, and spirit. Being fully present is a part of acting worth it. And I just realized that I didn't even, I I got so excited about this. I didn't even tell you what the title of this episode is. The title of this episode is, if you act worth it, you tend to become worth it. So if we as a people, if you, if me, if I, if us, we the people act worth it, guess what? we eventually will become worth it. So it's time that, you know, we we act worth it. So, you know, again, being present, you know, mind, body, spirit, that and being fully present is a part of your acting, of my acting worth it. You know, and and speaking of acting worth it, we're going to go ahead into my first point. And my first point of... Uh, acting worth it and becoming worth it is knowing that self-worth. Okay, so that's the first point. If you want to write that down, it is self-worth. Self-worth is the sense of one's own value or worth as a person. 
Self-worth cannot be put in a box. It cannot be gift-wrapped with a pretty bow and passed along to you. As a child, it can be instilled. And as an adult, we can be reminded. However, no one can give another person self-worth. After all, it's the worth of self. Um, And, you know, while taking my extremely rewarding course at MIT, I met the lead facilitator. Um, His name is Bob Wet. I'm I'm probably going to mess his name up and I feel terrible. Um, Okay, so I'm not even going to, I'm going to look his name up. Um, I'm not going to try to uh, guess at, at what his name is because I don't want to be an injustice to him, um, especially from how awesome he was when he was leading this class. Let me just one moment. So his name was Bob Weber, W A. B-E-R, and he is the chief executive officer and owner of a company called Humanize. So I met him, and I made it a point to let him know, first of all, my full name, Terry Glenn Harris. And I also made it a point to let him know, you know, what I did to pay my bills Um, as far as what my current profession is and what I, or what I did is pay my bills, AKA what I do for the company that I currently work for. But after I let him know that, because of course (laughs) the people that are paying for you to be there, you want to make sure you're respectful and, you know, put their agenda up. But after I did that, I shined a brighter light on my goal. You know, um, my people helping entrepreneurial dream that I'm determined to make my overall satisfying reality, that I'm determined to make my day-to-day, that I'm determined to make when I wake up in the morning. I'm not going to another person's company. I'm going into the office, into my offices where I'm signing the paychecks. I made it a point to let him know about that. Um, And along with my personality, my impression, my charisma, and my business card. Yes, I absolutely left that with him. I left him with my product. And as a speaker, my product is my book beyond the coffee table. Um, And, you know, some people may think, well, you left it with him. Did you leave it with him? Did you give it to him for free or did you charge him? And the answer is, no, I did not charge him. I did not charge him for the book. And now some people may think, well, why didn't you charge him for the book? I didn't charge him for the book because my book is now in the hands of not just a fellow author because he has he is a writer he has written multiple books um but it's not just in the hands of a fellow author it is also in the hands of a millionaire 
okay, of a speaker, of a fellow father, um, and successful entrepreneur. His company grosses $24 million annually. All right. So, and he's also a professor. Um, He is a professor at MIT. And he may tell his other wealthy friends about me and my book. Okay, his wealthy friends could go over his home, look on his coffee table, see my book sitting there, and they begin to ask questions about my book and about who this guy is who wrote this book. He may tell his other wealthy friends about me and my book, and he could decide to visit my website, which is on my business card, or Amazon, and purchase more copies of my book. Okay, this man has access to many people. He can invite me and my book back to MIT for a TED Talk, all right? It's all about exposure. Exposure is valuable, and exposure takes you far, okay? The exposure I received from that conversation alone, that exposure from you know that I received from giving him an autographed copy of my book will be far more valuable to me than the money I would have charged him for a copy of the book. And not to mention that Beyond the Coffee Table, the book is now yet in another city, in another state, and another household, okay? Another piece of my self-worth is out in a new part of the world, all right? So I didn't give him the book because I feared it wasn't worth the money and because I feared he may not pay for it. I gave him the book because I know and I knew in that moment that the book is worth far more than the money he would have paid, all right? So that's why I didn't necessarily charge him for the book. I can't stress enough the importance of knowing and honing your worth from not without, but from within. And once you know your worth, your self-worth is not so much about saying, I know my self-worth and here it is. It's more so a matter of walking in that worth. People will have no choice but to see it. When when you walk in something, when you act like you're something, people have, they can't deny it. They may not want to see it, but they can't deny it. They're going to see it. When we know our self-worth, own our self-worth, and walk like we know it, people take notice. Some people, again, like I said before, will hate it. Other people will absolutely love it. And then that begins to contribute to what I call our social worth, which is my next point, um, social worth. So the first point was self-worth. When it comes to if you act worth it, you tend to become worth it. And now we're going to get into my second point of social worth. Now, when I mention social worth, 
here, I'm speaking of your value, my value, to the world outside of ourselves, to the people around us, to our colleagues, to our friends, to our family members, to the people we meet at conferences. Um, And in that world, I'm referring, again, family, friends, investors, employers, clients, depending on what it is you do, anyone who is not you. That is who you add social worth to. How valuable you are to them. Now, if our self-worth is high, our social worth will also be high. As I explained earlier on in this episode, I took the course at MIT um, in this room full of very well-off professionals. And I'm pretty sure I wasn't among the high... Matter of fact, I, I know for certain that I wasn't among the highest paid in the room. However, capital H-O-W-E-V-E-R, my social worth was significantly greater than my net worth. I was a contributor, okay? I was a contributor. I had something of value to give to the group. None of the people in that room knew this until they met me, but it became obvious that is why I'd been invited because of my self and social worth. So why while my bank account may not have been larger, my social worth was significantly greater than some of the people in that room. Because, see, my social worth was so much greater, my purpose was on display, and my passion was so high that I was approached by a woman who owns her own biotech company. I know nothing about biotech except how to spell it. Um, But, you know, uh, apparently it's it's a huge industry. Um, And the company is, it it generates an average of $4 million a year. Now, she approached me in efforts of flying me out to Palo Alto, California to provide her organization with what she called a pep talk. And when she said pep talk to me, I kind of looked at her like, okay, you know, pep talk, um, (laughs) what is that? And it was her way of saying a motivational speech, but she wanted me, someone she barely knew, to come and talk to her entire organization. Did I accept her invitation? You're darn right I did. I would have been a fool not to. Um, How could I accept her invitation? Because I am fully aware of my self-worth, which does what? Forces others to see and be unable to deny my social worth. Again, back to self and how self-worth ties directly into 
our social worth. All right. So um, I, I accepted it. And la- later on, she, she told me why she'd asked me to come. So at one point in time, we all had to break down into groups. And as we broke into our groups, eventually, you know, one person needed to stand up and present what the group had spoken about. And never once did I raise my hand to say, oh, I'll speak for our group. I was always nominated, if you will, um, by someone in the group to speak. And she, she told me, she said, when I first started talking to you, I could tell by your mannerisms and I could tell by the way you spoke and I could tell by the passion in your eyes that this is something you do. And then she asked me, she said, is public speaking something you do? And I told her, I said, absolutely. And then plugged that book um, for her. Now, why didn't I give her a copy? Well, I didn't give her a copy because that wasn't who I was supposed to give the copy to. I took one copy with me in my bag and I took one copy on purpose to ensure it went to the person it was supposed to go to. And the CEO, the facilitator is who it went to. But she told me those things. Again, this lady had never met me before, didn't know anything about me, but now it had opened up that I was a public speaker, that I was in love with motivation, that I, you know, do love motivating people and getting them to live their best lives and be their best selves. So it was easy for me to look her in the eye and say, I would love to come to Palo Alto, California and give your organization a pep talk. And right now those things are in the works. So I'll definitely keep you all posted on what happens with that. Um, So having her come to me and offer me that got me going, you know, on top of the rest of the information I've been receiving in the class and taking notes after note after note, it it got me going and my momentum began to build. And even now, a few weeks post um, that class, my momentum is still high because I'm still going. I have not allowed the momentum to fizzle out. And that takes me to my next point of keeping the momentum going. So we had our first point of self-worth. Then we talked about how self-worth ties into your social worth. And then how do we keep the momentum going so that our self-worth stays high, our social worth stays high, and we continue to do the things that we said we were going to do. Keeping the momentum going. That's my final point. If you want to write that down, you can keep the momentum going. Getting motivated to start something is incredible. Um, In fact, it can be one of the most invigorating feelings. But how do you stay motivated? How do you keep the momentum going? Holding on to the momentum during the conference, um, you know, during the, the the podcast, during the sermon, that's easy. But how are you, or how um, does one keep the the flame lit 
when the speaker has left the stage and the lights in the building have been turned out. How do you keep the momentum going? You keep your notes visible. That is one way that you keep the momentum going. Every single thing you wrote down, you keep it out so you can see it. Don't put it in the drawer. Don't put it in the bag. Don't put it under your bed. Don't throw it in your briefcase. No, keep them visible. That's why I always recommend get yourself a notebook, not a note app, a notebook, because you see the book. Yes, you see your phone, but you have how many apps on your phone? So keep your notes visible. How does this tie into acting like you're worth it? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. It has to do with consistency. Because consistency is key in both self-worth and social worth. Jot down the most important, most eye-opening notes. Those, some of us might call them aha moments. Onto a post-it. And take those post-its and just begin to place them all over your living space. And all over your workspace. You know, and this way when you look up, you'll see those notes. You'll see those aha moments, and that will keep you going. That will help you to stay on it. This will keep you reminded of what you've been exposed to, of how you felt when that motivation was injected, and it'll keep you driven to move forward. When we lose momentum, we often fall back into bad habits. We fall back into our laziness. Some people like to put a fancy word or a label on the word laziness, and they disguise it with another word. Maybe you've heard of the word before. Um, They disguise it with the word called procrastination. Yep, some people say, oh, I'm not lazy. I just procrastinate. For those See, for for those of you who still don't get it when I say they, you know, disguise laziness as as procrastination, laziness is procrastination. Let me elaborate. So here's the definition for you. The definition of lazy is someone who is unwilling to work or use energy. Okay, that's the definition of lazy. The definition of procrastinate is to delay or postpone action or put off doing something. So I know everybody likes presents. Here's a bow for your present. If you or me or we are delaying or postponing action, if we are putting off doing something, we are indeed being unwilling to work. Or use energy, a.k.a. we are procrastinating. Lazy people aren't able or aren't willing to act because acting takes willpower. Acting takes doing something. Acting takes not postponing it. And those who procrastinate lack willpower. Some of you caught what I just did. And the rest of you, maybe you'll catch it when you listen the second time around. So here it goes. Get up. 
Stop making excuses. Stop living your life focusing on what you haven't accomplished and celebrate what you have accomplished. After that, get yourself to the store and purchase a journal. If you don't want to pay $15, $20 for a journal, buy a composition book from the dollar store. But let me tell you something about that. Your journal, the way it looks, the way it feels, will be a direct reflection of that dream. So we spend $150, $200 on a pair of tennis shoes or on a pair of dress shoes, um, eight, $900 on a brand new cell phone. I believe if you are really in tune and intact and passionate about your dream and your goal, you should be okay spending $15 to $30 on a journal. Because again, our journal and what we put in it is a direct reflection of that dream. So if you have composition book dreams, okay, by all means, go ahead and get you a composition book. But if you have gold page journal dreams, go ahead and pay that $15 to $30. Or it might not even cost that much. You got Amazon where you can go ahead and purchase a nice, good-looking journal that will typically cost $15 to $30, and you can get it for about $10. And after you get that journal, open it up, and everybody knows there's there's nothing better than the feeling of brand new paper and pen in your hand. It's like the first day of school all over again. You just can't wait to write on that first page. So on that very first page in the top center in big bold letters, write the one word, goals. Okay. And then if you only write one goal under that, write, just write something. Write down the things we we want to do, okay? Writing down the things we want to do, the goals we want to achieve, is one way of keeping the momentum going, along with getting closer to achieving the goal, all right? So get started. Stay quiet about what you're doing. Remember why you started and keep going. Don't let your dreams fizzle because you're afraid. You procrastinate or are too lazy. Time ticks on and waits for no one. Time ain't waiting for you, okay? Planes don't wait for you at the gate. Time ain't waiting for you either. And remember, if you act worth it, you tend to become worth it. We must know our self-worth in order to discover our social worth. And it is easy to start. So once we get started, we must keep the momentum. No excuses. Again, remain quiet about it. Again, remember why you started. And again, keep going. When we do these things, these things that may seem small, when we develop a do well, do now attitude, we get things done. And when we get things done, we feel accomplished. And when we feel accomplished, we yearn to accomplish more. So let's 
act worth it. So let's become worth it. Because when you act worth it, you tend to become worth it. For those of you unaware, as I said before, I have a new book out. The new book is designed to uplift and empower everybody who reads it. The title of the book is the same as this podcast, Beyond the Coffee Table. And this book was written with you in mind. Honestly, it was written with you in mind. If you want to purchase a copy, you can do so by clicking on the link within the body of this episode within the description. Um, Or you can go to Amazon and search Beyond the Coffee Table there. And if you'd like to provide feedback, please do so. You know, go ahead and like this episode, subscribe to this podcast so that you can get up to date when I drop new episodes or, you know, leave a comment so that I can read that. And if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and rate this episode one star, five stars, you know, all, all I ask is that you are constructive in your criticism. Um, so now as I do at the end of every episode, I want you to take this second, take this minute, take this hour, take this day, take this week, take this month, take this year, you still got six months, and be great. I love y'all in real life. Till next time. Peace. Thank you.